0: into business partnership with someone who is a lot like you they have the same skill sets but they also have the same blind spots right and so you still have an empty chair on your team and then you've got two people who are fighting over the same chair so less is more in terms of not just going into business partnership with your friend because you have a great time together and you have all the same shared interests
1: welcome to the art of we the podcast where we explore how committed partnerships can be potent vehicles for fully delivering our gifts to the world. Hi, I'm Krista Vanderveer, a seasoned consultant and executive coach.
0: And I'm Dr. Will Vanderveer, a leader and educator in integrative mental health and wellness. As husband and wife and business partners, we keep learning that the key to maximizing our authenticity and impact in the world lies inside the health, security, and depth of our relationship.
1: On this show, we'll pull back the curtains to share lessons, insights, and practices from our own marriage and professional careers that help us thrive. If you're a leader, founder, or overachiever, and you want to leverage your relationships for personal and collective growth, then you're in the right place.
0: Welcome, everyone, to the Art of We podcast. This is episode 53.
1: 53, with you and me.
0: I like that number, because I'm 53 right now.
1: (laughs) Very handsome. 53. Gorgeous.
0: Thanks. So (laughs) we are moving right along. We are in a series of episodes here talking about business partnership and co-foundership with a business partner. So today we're going to talk a little bit about the beginning of that possibility. If you're out there considering it or maybe you're a serial entrepreneur and you've sold your company and you're thinking about another endeavor, we want to talk about some of the things that we think are important to pay attention to in the beginning. And do you want to say anything about that before we jump in, Krista?
1: Hopefully we'll bring new angles here than kind of your traditional answers that you would get when you Google, <laughs> what do I need to figure out about my this potential business partnership? Or what questions do I need to ask? We're hoping that we get to a few different layers or different aspects that we found have been really important to realize or lean in on if you're considering a business partnership with somebody. So where would you start with this, Will, if you were in that consideration again?
0: Well, I've had a handful of business experiences. And I think we I speak for both of us that we feel incredibly blessed to have come across this understanding about secure functioning in adult relationships as a framework for not just personal, intimate partnership, but also thinking, applying that to the business environment. And as I've evolved over time as a human adult, I've brought a different level of maturity to different encounters with business. And the current partnership that we have is by far the highest evolution of relational development that I've experienced at work, by far. And so reflecting on what I've learned, I just wanna share a few things that hopefully will be useful to people considering a business partnership. The first one is really treating the conversation about the possibility of forming a business together as a kind of dating experience, like you would do if you're dating someone. So questions are important like, have you ever been in a partnership before? How did that go? Mm-hmm. How did you resolve conflict? Why aren't you in that partnership now? <laughs>
1: <laughs> totally.
0: And and some of it that you're looking for in the answers as you interview this potential business partner are the actual facts. Well, this happened or that happened or whatever. But you're also looking for the subjective interpretation that that person is sharing with you about what happened. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if there's any sense of the partner not taking responsibility for their part in how things went, or subtly putting their ex-business partner under the bus, or telling you that they've never had a business partnership before, and maybe they've never had a long-term intimate partnership before. Those things give you clues that this person is going to be really challenged. It doesn't mean you can't make a business with this person, but you, you need to go in open eyes and to your new business partnership and understand what the challenges are going to be as much as possible.
1: I think that the question about if they've had an intimate partnership or what is their intimate partnership like at home, I think it's actually really smart to ask that question (laughs) because, man, if it's dysfunctional, I'm also not saying that there's not things that you can overcome, but if there's a dysfunctional relationship at home, I would get very curious as to why it's dysfunctional and also be aware of the subjective lens like you're saying that they're looking through. Yes. But I had on my list too is like even if they are not in a partnership, have they ever been in one, an intimate partnership? I'm kind of going down the rabbit hole of partnership here cuz like <laughs> it says so much about a person. Like I've been so much in different conversations at different points in my life about collaborating and potentially getting to business partnership and boy does the intimate and home life really Reveal a lot about how this person can be in relationship and in collaboration.
0: Now, the second part is more of a practical issue, which I think is such a great thing to consider. Where the idea here is that less is more in terms of navigating relationships. If you don't need a business partner, then maybe you don't need a business partner. We're talking about co founder relationships on this podcast. So if you're going to go into a business partnership, you want to go into business with someone who has gifts and talents that you don't have. And the reason I say that is because if you think about it, I'm going to use a really simple and probably mostly misinformed metaphor because I don't play beach volleyball, but since it's a (laughs) two-person team, (laughs) we're going to start with you need someone who knows how to spike the ball Mm -hmm. and you need someone who can serve the ball, let's say. And obviously in actual beach volleyball, they take turns and you need to be able to do all the things really well. But what I'm pointing out here is that usually successful business partnerships from the beginning are complementary personalities where one person is very oriented, let's say toward visionary, creative, identifying opportunities that other people don't see. Mm -hmm. And then you've got another person who is amazing at operationalizing those crazy ideas. Mm -hmm. Or you've got a, for example, a marketing person, and then you've got an engineer and they work incredibly well together and they're really not good at each other's jobs, but it's so, so helpful. It's like having, I remember watching what happens to male lions when they grow up and they leave the group that they grew up in, they get Mm -hmm. kicked out at a certain point point. And every once in a while, two of those brothers who are male lions go off into the wilderness together, and then they come back as a team and take over a lion pride. And it's pretty difficult for any adversary to come in in the lion world and dethrone a brotherhood partnership versus one lion taking his chances against another lion and saying, you know what? I think I can beat this guy. Mm. So... I don't know why, I just really stuck in my mind. I watched this episode where these two lions stayed in in power in this one particular part of Africa for a very long time because there were two of them that you had to take down. That's cool. So it's kind of redundant, and I'm speaking from personal experience, when you go into business partnership with someone who is a lot like you, they have the same skill sets, but they also have the same blind spots. Right. And so you still have an empty chair on your team And then you've got two people who are fighting over the same chair. So less is more in terms of not just going into business partnership with your friend because you have a great time together and you have all the same shared interests.
1: Right, we happen to be in business partnership with really good friends of ours, but I think we got really lucky there. It seems like sometimes when good friends attempt to go into business partnership together or even like family members, Where there's like, it's a family thing, but not everybody fills the seat in the most accurate way that the business might need can run into some
0: issues. And I think, you know, we're speaking in generalities. Any any format can work if you're really working it. Like in some family businesses, multiple siblings are working in the business and one person takes marketing, the other one takes sales, the other one takes product development and so on and so on. And it's totally fine.
1: Like succession, that was the, the <laughs> show. Succession, they did fabulous together. <laughs> right, if you've watched that show, but it's pretty brutal. But it, we really
0: enjoyed it. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, these situations that go well between friends and between family members are actually pretty pretty rare.
1: And like you're saying, let's not shut down possibility. If if you feel like a friend, a close friend, and you can. Figure it out together. I think that a successful business partnership can exist when there might be similarities in terms of the visioning capacity and there are the unique gifts that each person recognizes up front that they can bring that might be different from the other person to help fill some of these gaps. I think that can be actually really successful. I think that the pre work, the dating conversation, as you're talking about, is really important to discover where we're at, what we're willing to contribute what we can contribute is super important in terms of whatever the success is gonna be.
0: Right, and there there are dozens of other important questions, like how much time does this person have to commit to the endeavor? How hungry are they? You know, How much are their values aligned with the thing that you wanna bring into the world? And so on and so on and so on. So we could talk for a long time about that, but we're just talking right now about mostly about relationship compatibility and putting this concept of secure functioning on the table early Mm -hmm. and exploring what the agreements might be to support that to unfold in a good way. Exactly. So we're going to take a quick break and we come back, we're going to get into
1: more of the secure functioning relational questions that we feel would be important to ask. We'll be right back. We hope you're enjoying this episode. I want to take a quick break to let you know about a gift we created for you and your partner. We compiled our top 10 relationship agreements, agreements that have been so powerful in supporting the success of our partnership that we even turned them into our wedding vows. These agreements help us stay connected, growing and thriving as a couple. And they've been critical to help us create a kind of we that's way beyond what we've ever experienced before. You can download this free gift at That's kristavanderveer.com. That's K R I S T A V A N D E R V E E R.com. Also, if you enjoy our podcast, it would be so meaningful to us if you left us a rating and review. Not only does it help others find us, but it gives us critical feedback on how we're doing. Thanks in advance and now back to the episode. Welcome back. Okay, here are some of the things that I would dive into on a relational basis if I were starting to consider somebody as a co-founder of a business. One, can they truly take feedback? And I would test them to make sure to see how they handle feedback. Are they willing to take it? Do they get defensive? Are they wanting it? Are they able to incorporate or at least be in the dialogue of the kind of feedback that they may be receiving from me. That's number one. Can they take responsibility? That's the second one. And obviously, if you say to somebody, are you somebody that can take responsibility? Like, they're probably going to (laughs) say yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So there could be other ways to figure out how they take responsibility. And I think, Will, like how you pointed to how they speak to ex-business partners or their intimate partnerships, are they putting blame on other people or are they taking responsibility for breakdowns? There's other ways to find out if they're actually a person who can take responsibility. But I think that's super important to do.
0: Absolutely. You know, the way a person describes a challenge that they had in their life will tell you a lot about their relationship with responsibility and whether they assign, as we talked about a little bit earlier, they assign blame or they assign the responsibility to their environment or their circumstances or another person or this or that. And, and I'm not saying that your environment doesn't impact your ability to navigate a, a challenge, but it's in the way you describe the challenge that gives away how much agency you actually feel in your life to deal with the challenges you face.
1: I love that example for so many reasons, including that you could also find out how they relate to challenges inside of how they describe a challenge they had. For example, do they see challenges as opportunities to grow and to develop themselves more? Or do they see challenges as something that happened to them? Exactly. If it's something that happened to them, they're the effect of it, and they might be holding more of a victim mindset, and that would be a
0: red flag for me. Absolutely. Yeah. This A lot of what we're talking about right now is growth-oriented mindset versus a victim-oriented mindset. And again, speaking from my own experience as a first time entrepreneur, you don't know the scope. It's like becoming a parent. You don't know the scope of what the responsibilities and challenges are going to be until you're in it. But if you already have an attitude of not wanting to be hassled mm. by challenges, as you said earlier, wanting to maintain a status quo, not wanting to deal with conflict or overcoming things that require you to get stronger in order to overcome, you're not going to be able to embrace what we're talking about here. Exactly. And I mean, it's sort of a basic concept that life is not easy, no one said it would be easy. And entrepreneurship, trying to get something built and get it going and have it survive and thrive and change lives is really fucking hard. It's so hard (laughs) to do. And so, if you're in a fantasy that it's not going to be hard, you are, and you're in big trouble from the beginning,
1: which points to another aspect to check out, which is how committed are they to this possibility, and why are they committed to it? Is it because it might feed an aspect of their ego or they where they think they should be in the world or in their career? Or is it because it's like a really deep, committed, level of impact that they care about having in the world? Like, does it live in their soul or is it living in their head and in their kind of material world of who they should be?
0: Right. Where's the why coming from? Exactly, exactly. Is it, is it a small why that's gonna feed the ego or is it a deeper why that's about identifying within the suffering of humanity, all kinds of opportunities to pitch in and do something that can really help a lot of people? And nothing wrong with wanting to create wealth and security within the endeavor. right? But if the endeavor is about solely money or solely status or solely these more ego-driven things, then there's nothing morally wrong with that. But the problem with it is that it's going to poop out and it's fuel that doesn't last long enough to get you through the hardest challenges that you're going to face. That's the issue. Totally. Excellent point. Yeah.
1: Another aspect I would
0: lean into with
1: them is if they're able to be willing to be uncomfortable to address what's going on for them with you. Like, are they going to bring up how they're negatively impacted by you? Or are they going to give you feedback about your blind spots? Are they going to be uncomfortable? Are they going to do the cleanups when a rupture has happened and it needs to be addressed? Or... Are they the type that is more of an avoidant type of person and will prefer the avoidance rather than the discomfort?
0: It's true. Again, it's embracing the opportunity to get more mature and more effective and more streamlined in your relationships where you're not thriving on either drama or avoidance or some combination of both to kind of bumble your way through life and, and not take on the challenge of like, if I consciously chose to turn around and face the discomfort I'm feeling in this situation, rather than unconsciously acting out a way to avoid it by either creating drama or sticking your head in the sand. When you turn around and do that, it's not just good for you, but it makes, as we've talked about, it makes the possibilities grow in what you're able to accomplish and create in the world. Exactly. And if you're getting closer to
1: considering this person as a co-founder or business partner, I would actually get really clear with one another about what you're up to relationally inside of your business partnership. Because if you can create the context and then create specific agreements about your own relationship, what you're up to as business partners, in addition to helping the mission of the business thrive, then you're both on the same page about what you're doing together. But if you don't have an explicit agreement about that, then that can become pretty tricky when the rubber hits the road and people are getting uncomfortable and their patterns are coming up and they're not able to do something different.
0: Right. It's, it's like a willingness to be a student of effective communication and mm. Even to hire a coach, if you need that, you know, that's something that was extremely valuable to me early on. It felt in the beginning when we didn't have any money to start the business with and there was no, you know, we didn't have like an angel investor or anything like that. It felt incredibly uncomfortable to spend a few hundred bucks to get some coaching. Mm -hmm. But it was just a total game changer for me. The
1: coaching that you two got together.
0: The coaching that that I took to help me navigate some of the early challenges.
1: Got it. Yep. So that is another aspect. Is this person willing to get support with you, external support, either individually together in order to make the relational up to and the business up to thrive? And then there's one other thing that I would check out with a potential business partner is how are they about making we decisions? So in other words, like, are they going to be pretty positional about their opinions? And it's okay if they are, but can they be influenced? Are they willing to be influenced? And I would ask the same about yourself in terms of how you are in in partnership. Mm -hmm. Can you come in with a strong opinion, but then can you also be influenced by your business partner? Or are you kind of pretending that you can be an influenced? And then ultimately you guys might bang heads. Or the thing about the we decision is I think that we decisions are so much more impactful because ultimately, you can come to alignment around the decision versus one person compromising and then building resentment and then being like, I told you so. I told you that would happen. Putting blame on the partner. But can they actually get into a wee conversation? Does that make sense about how I'm framing
0: that? Absolutely makes sense. And it reminds me of uh, an experience I had very early on in partnership with Keith that I think is very relevant here. We we were at a party and we met this guy who had built a huge company and sold it. And, you know, I put him on a pedestal because he had a lot of success, I thought. And we were telling him about what we were doing. And it was very early, it was the first few months. And he made a remark to me of, do you have a bubble chart? And there were two of us and there was nobody else. You know? <laughs>
1: <laughs> and a bubble chart in context is roles and responsibilities chart, same kind of thing
0: right yeah so his challenge to us which was made out of care for us and you know wanting us to be as successful as it could be was saying that we needed to differentiate our roles as co-founders he was recommending that we get out of each other's decision making and Mm. at that time because i was new to the process and here's this guy with all this experience in retrospect, we only talked for 10 minutes and he starts talking about this. So he didn't really know a lot about what was going on for us business-wise. But what Keith and I actually needed to do was not be in a bubble chart conversation or, hey, you go do this and I'll go do this. We got to that place a year later in our relationship, at least. In the beginning, what we needed to do was what you're talking about, which is discover that we could trust each other by Through the process over a year of doing almost every single thing together and finding out that we could hash it out, we could go toe to toe. I could stand my ground if I believed I was right and show him that I was right and he would submit and vice versa. Mm -hmm. And there wasn't any kind of fear that one or the other of us was going to do something that wasn't going to support the success of the organization. And then from that platform of trust over A long time, then we could start having the differentiation conversation. And that came with growth, where at a certain point we realized that we couldn't keep doing all these meetings together and making all these decisions together because the group of people in our company was too big and our goals were too big and our momentum was too strong and there was just like too much work to do. Mm -hmm. But we had done the work of building that trust. And, you know, having ways that we pissed each other off and worked through it and got help and, you know, dealt with all of these things. And we had all these reps under our belt. So then we could go into a more differentiated place. And so I wonder sometimes about entrepreneurs who decide to co-found something, who are following my little prescription I said a few minutes Mm -hmm. ago of like, you want to have different skill sets and different strengths and weaknesses, who maybe go too far too soon into differentiation of roles, where someone's out in the world going to get money from investors or doing sales and marketing, and the other person's in the back office doing the coding or doing the product development, and neither one knows what the other one's doing. And if you start from that place, I think it's really difficult to develop this kind of trust that we're talking about here.
1: Absolutely. If you haven't listened already to episodes fifty-one and fifty-two, we really go into the nitty-gritty of secure functioning. And what I'm what I hear is that you up front really worked on developing a certain aspect of secure functioning with each other. Now you both are doing very different things, some things together, but most things separate. But you're also very trusting of what the process is with each other, and you have a system where you can go back and forth to each other when you need each other, it just it's beautiful how it works now.
0: it feels like it's evolved pretty naturally over the years from leaning into the difficult work and the on the front end of developing this secure home base or business base, I guess better to say of trust in each other, and also and not blind trust. it's like we we know that each of us has blind spots that the other one can cover if we are in a question mark about what the next step is for the business and so whenever there's a question mark we come to each other and discuss it
1: yeah really amazing i worked with a company where there was three co-founders and they did what you were talking about pretty early on where they were like okay i'm going to go do the fundraising this other guy was going to go to the product development the other guy was going to go do like technology and they were so siloed from each other that they ended up having to do a lot of back work years down the road since they co-founded to try to catch up to all the gaps that had been put in place as a result of not actually being on the same page, essentially. It was really unfortunate.
0: Yeah, great counterexample. Another sort of detail in that early experience to share, which further reinforces the the point we're making, is how do you spend money, you know? Mm. And when you're early in a co founder relationship, it might be different for people who have, who start with some equity or start with an investor or a person who gets you started. I don't know. I haven't had that experience personally, but the benefits for me of making all the decisions together down to the penny with Keith in the beginning was that we found out a lot about our each other's personality around what we felt would be most effective in moving things forward for us in spending. Mm -hmm. And in your example of the three co-founders, it kind of raises a question for me about like, which department gets the most love in terms of funding? Mm -hmm. And how do you even decide that from the beginning if you're siloed, right? (laughs) So there could just be like three people fighting for you know, what the funds are to, you know, well, I want to put a hundred grand in product development. I want to put a hundred grand in marketing and so forth and so on. And like, how do you even figure out what the ratios are that are most appropriate for that particular business?
1: Yeah. It becomes a battle for resources rather than
0: we're on the same team. And how do we get to the the end goal? Exactly. Yeah. So let's summarize some of these concepts. The early part of the exciting process of having an idea and deciding if you're going to go into a co-founder relationship with someone is a really fun and interesting phase in the process. And we're trying to help you not make some of the mistakes that are possible to make, like rushing into something without fully evaluating what your potential business partner's Capacities are for collaboration, where their relationship wounds are, and how that might affect your experience at work. And overall, what their attitudes are toward challenge and how they're going to show up and either embrace the challenge or avoid it. And I wanted to just underline something that we haven't emphasized much on this episode that's very important, which is take your time before you tie the knot in your business partnership. And it's just, you're so worth it to take the time to find out what the challenges are going to be yeah. and to really come to an informed decision about whether you're up for those challenges or not. Mm-hmm. And the idea that you're going to be sharing decision making with a co-founder for a long time. And are you ready to commit to that? How many cooks do you want in the kitchen? We've talked about, you know, two individual partnerships. Krista talked about three co-founders at one point. I personally can't imagine sharing decision-making with two other people. It's hard enough for me to do that with one, <laughs> but more power to you if, if you can do that or want to. Mm-hmm. One good question is, can I hire this person? Why do I need to have this person be in partnership with me? Mm hiring a marketing consultant as opposed to getting into a business partnership with someone who's really good at marketing. Mm -hmm. Well, they might be really good at marketing, but they might not be any kind of personality you want to deal with on a day-by-day basis.
1: Right. Or have the same kind of mission-based ideas that you do. Yeah.
0: Exactly. You can't fire a business partner easily. You can dissolve your company, which is a really painful process if you're not wanting that to happen. Mm -hmm. But it's so much easier. It sure is easy to fire a contractor or, or... to uh, move on from a mismatch with an employee. So take your time, choose carefully, honor yourself, and please uh, reach out to us with any questions about these early phases of consideration of a co-foundership arrangement. We'd love to hear your experiences, your questions, and how do they reach
1: us, Krista? The best way is to go to kristavanderveer.com and you can find a place to email us there directly, or you can make some comments on your podcast platform and we'll definitely check those out. So you can go to the reviews and leave comments there, but we can't reach you that way. So if you want to reach us and you want some feedback or some conversation, go to kristavanderveer.com. Such a rich conversation. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Thanks. Thank you so much for joining us. If you found this content valuable, please follow the show and share it with your partner or other key collaborators. If the show has sparked an interesting conversation based on these topics, we'd
0: love to hear from you. Find us on Instagram at Art of We Podcast. And we'll see you next time when we explore what it means to be better together like butter and toast on The Art of We.